Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of the No More Leadership BS Podcast. I am Jeff Geoff McLaughlin with Professionals of Play, along with our talented cast of characters today. We have Mr. Jeff Conroy. How you doing, my friend? I'm hanging in there. You're surviving this cold weather. Nice. I'm glad of that. Every minute of it. Dr. Sam Jennings, how are you today? Hello. All is well here in the nice, toasty recording studio. <laughs> That's good that you have heat. Awesome. Miss Myra Hall. I am catching up with you. You're sending out the cold my direction, and I just want you to know I don't appreciate it. Not um, I'll do what I can to bring it back. Yeah, I'm watching it come in. The temperature's falling, and tomorrow morning is going to be minus one. So thank you very much oh, for your getting. Your consideration. We'll keep the other 20 degrees that we have here. We're good. <laughs> and Mr. Geyer, you are in the midst of the, the cold weather. Like you and I are similar to the area, but what's the temperature there right now? Right this minute, it is a balmy minus seven with degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know what nice. that is Celsius because I'm a leader and that means I can't control the weather. I can leap tall buildings in a single bound, but I cannot control the weather. I'm sitting in my truck right now and it's negative 21 on my dashboard. That's but that's without a wind. It is dead calm, negative 21. So it's a bit chilly this morning. So if we're a little slower than our normal repartee, our witty repartee is a little slower, just know that it's probably because we're partially frozen. Can the so, next recording session be in San Diego, Mexico, Kauai? Just offering that. I vote yes. Make it I vote yes on all of those. Yeah. Make it happen. The wind chill here is minus 26 Fahrenheit. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, all those in favor of Mexico, raise your hand. I'm Thank in. Let's go. All right. Our next podcast might record live from the beach in Maui. We don't know. We'll let you know when we get there, fans. All <laughs> right. right. So we know. Yeah, we know. Oh, we know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> so today, I, I think it's interesting that it's so cold out because the topic that I wanted to talk about or have us have a discussion about is pushing through those barriers, pushing through those barriers, whether those are mental or physical. And what does that do, not just for you personally, but professionally and for your team? Where do we see that with our teams where we need to push through those barriers and what are they? And personally, I've seen um, a lot of people like the leadership journey is just deciding to get into leadership, to accept the role or to step into and say, I choose to be a leader is oftentimes the very first barrier. Because let's face it, leadership is not always easy. It's not always pretty. It can be messy. It can be challenging. And if you do it right, it's absolutely spectacular. If you do it wrong, you can go down in a ball of flames. And so where do we push those barriers and which ones do we decide to push? So we all have different leadership experiences with different teams, with different people. I'm really curious to hear some of your stories about where did you have to push in leadership past your own barriers to get something more out of your team or out of yourself. Now, personally, I like to push physical barriers. I like to push to get in the cold water. Everybody makes fun of me. They think, oh my gosh, you're crazy. But for me, it's more of a mental game. It's not so much the physical, it's the mental aspect of, I know I don't want to do this thing because it's going to suck. But if I can do this, I can do other really hard, challenging things. And so for me personally, it's that ability to push through that mental barrier to do something better to be able to say, I can do this. And if that's all it is, the cold is cold, it sucks. Yes. But some people are like, I won't do it because I just, I can't get past that mental barrier. 
So where are areas that you've pushed yourself as a leader into that the, the realm of, let's call it that growth zone where it's a little bit uncomfortable? Uh, and what did it do for you? I'm really just curious. I don't know if anybody has a specific story that has come to mind um, where you push those barriers or you have your team push those barriers. I, I know that there's a lot of different things you can go with because I have an open topic there. But I believe that as leaders, we are constantly pushing those barriers because we want to get the best out of our teams. We want them to be successful as possible. And so that includes the mental work. It includes self-care. It includes all these different things that go into leadership. So I'm going to look at Mr. Conroy first. I do. And I, I know you're like, I know you're just like your smiling face right there. Plus you got your warm hat on and you're all bundled up. I, know hat on, done, I have a hat on because I'm follically impaired. Follically impaired. <laughs> but I know you've done great things with a lot of teams. Where have you had to really push through your own barriers to yeah. get more out of your team or to change yourself so that you could be a better leader? Either one well, of those. I'm really interested. Yeah. Well, in order to push a team, they have to trust you that you're not going to hurt them. But you also got to keep the team together. You got to find ways to keep the team together. And I'm, I'm recalling a story. I used to work for the Boy Scouts. And Boy Scouts were about the numbers. I spent first 16 years of my nonprofit career working for the Boy Scouts. And all of our numbers had to be in on December 31st. All of our membership numbers, all of our money numbers, they had to be in by December 31st. And the leadership in my particular council were very hard driving. They were all high Ds. They were like, failure is not a no go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm a, and I'm a high I. I really had to work with rallying my team, getting the team together, keeping the team excited. It was not uncommon for us to make phone calls to people asking for their membership numbers. Can we come get your membership stuff at nine o'clock at night on New Year's Eve? It was horrible. I, I really did not enjoy that. I didn't know what a fun New Year's Eve was until I left the Boy Scouts. But I really wanted to rally the team because they all felt the same way. They wanted to go out and do New Year's Eve stuff, but we needed the numbers. So we started leading up to that with, look, we need to plan the day. What are we going to do? Okay, we're going to start with, I'm going to bring in lunch and we're going to bring in incentives. We're going to bring in the fun. We're going to get everybody a cowbell. So when you get membership, someone rings their cowbell, but we're going to cap the night off with a glass of champagne and just keep the morale high. And it's got to be exciting and it's got to be fun. If it becomes painful and drudgery, then it's just torture. And I've been part yeah. of that. But what I really wanted to do is I wanted to make it fun. We put a, a whiteboard up with our goal on it. Whenever somebody brought in, a, brought in numbers, they were allowed to go up and color in their part. You have to keep it fun. It's hard, but you, to, in order to keep the team together, that's the only way you're going to be successful. You can do it. You can, you can be oppressive and you can be top down and you can be a hammer and you will be successful, just not for very long. It's more about keeping the team motivated, excited together, and that's more long-term. And so that's what I really pushed for. I hope that answers mm -hmm. your question. So well, what I heard was, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I heard was when it's engaging, it allows people to push through those barriers of discomfort. Because they're engaged in the process, they're a part of a team, they're a part of something bigger than themselves, and that allows them to have that safety of, we can do this together because we all fail or we all succeed together. Yeah. What was really cool is when someone would meet their goal on the team, they would go help the next person. They, they uh -huh. had the option to leave, but they would say, no, I'm going to, it's the team. 
I'm so I'm going to help someone else make their goal. They would just keep the domino. It was amazing. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's a great example of what happens when we push past those uncomfortable barriers that we can gain success as a team. That's awesome. Awesome. Sam or Myra, what do you think? I'll jump in because I have a little preamble to my example here. Um, When I get new information or a new directive, my brain tends to go all kinds of directions. And I think about all the tentacles and the possibilities. And specifically, we had a voluntary audit of a federal compliance program when I was at a university. And the guy doing the audit asked me, what would it take for your institution to be the best at this compliance? And so I sat back and I looked up and I thought, and he giggled at me. And he said, I could do a whole study on lying based on that reaction alone. I said, you could, but you asked a very complex question. And here's why it's complex. And so I rattled off the five things that popped in my head right off the bat. And he, he sat back and went, oh, okay. Well, what do you think this? So I tell that story because when I get a directive, I see this web of stuff that has to happen. So by thinking that through, I then think about how's my team going to react? Because people don't love being told what to do. They like to be engaged, but if that's not possible, okay, great. Where's the blowout going to come? Where's the struggle going to happen? And not how do I fix it first? How do I prepare to hear it and help them think it through so they can then own their piece of the puzzle? So these big borders and boundaries and things that show up is like, no, we're not doing this thing. It, except we are, we're told we're going to, but I would do it effectively. And how do we make it be something we can be proud of? Even if we don't want to go to this dance, how do we take first or second place? So all this is to say, even when we don't have a lot of see and what's being told we're going to do, we still have plenty in how we get it done. Oh, wow. I really like that, Dr. Sam. That was amazing. That I love that you said helping your team create ownership in their piece of the puzzle. Just that can be a mental barrier for a lot of people is that ownership, that responsibility of this is my part and I've got to do it really well. Sometimes that's a challenge, right? And and getting our people to understand, but also seeing the value in their part. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes as leaders, we don't always convey how important each person is in the process. And if people knew that, maybe they would be more inclined to be engaged in the process themselves and push themselves maybe just a little bit harder if they know that they were valued. Might be a possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Ms. Myra Hall, in your experience working with people and teams specifically in in real estate, what kind of barriers, mental barriers do you see agents or people that are in the position of real estate? What barriers do you see that they had to push through? That's interesting that you search for a word there for real estate, because uh, just an interjection is people think agents sell houses and that's the last thing they sell. Houses sell themselves. People, agents sell their services. And that being the case, if that's true, you an agent for somebody else, you're working on their behalf. So I wish more people could realize that. Then when they listed their house, they wouldn't say, but they never showed it because they're, do you really want them selling your house? And anyway, off topic, but that just, can you tell that's a trigger? And, and maybe it's not an agent, maybe it's just general. The teams that I've worked with, an agent or with other teams that I've had the privilege of dealing with, the biggest thing that I've seen they have to overcome is fear of confrontation. It has caused more 
misinformation, more polarization, more trouble, breakups. I think it not only teams, it works with the couples and everything is when you don't communicate or when you're afraid of communicating, pushing through that fear of what's going to happen is probably one of the biggest barriers I found. I'm dealing with it right now. They they will go to each other and bitch and complain and do all the stuff causes a team to break apart and then wonder why it's not fixed. When the fix for it is... Solution, yeah. The solution, yeah, is to sit down and attack the problem, not the person. And But there's a huge fear in that because they've gotten into this reactive mode where they have to defend themselves and they can't see that. And you know what? We all fall into it. Mm-hmm. We all fall into that because we let it go too far. So I'm good to say that to me, that's been the biggest, not only my own team, but other teams that I've had to work with. Dealing with confrontation. And if you're a leader, if you're listening to this, Conflict and confrontations are things that you're going to have to deal with at some point in your leadership journey. There is just no getting around it. You're going to have conflicting ideas. You're going to have conflicting personalities. The hard part about leadership is dealing with all of those and trying to get everybody to row in the same direction at the same time, which is an incredible leadership skill. And Mr. Geyer, I want to come to you last based on your life experience. You had time in the military. And the military has a very specific way to get people to push past their boundaries, right? But then you have also parlayed your military experience into a a very successful career in executive leadership in multiple arenas. And I'm just curious, could you maybe address like how the military did it and then how that affected your leadership? And did you use those, some of the same strategies that the military taught you in your leadership with your teams? Oh, wow, Geoff, that's, wow, great question. Yeah, and, and my experience in the military now, you have to understand, is decades old. <laughs> I went active duty clear back in the year 1978. There it was, you volunteered, which is very similar to employees. Employees get hired and then they seem to have this feeling that they're somehow an indentured servant or they have to stay there. And it's right. You volunteered to work here. We offered you a job and you accepted. Nobody held a gun to your head to uh, make you take the job, but in the military. So I volunteered, which intrinsically to me meant I will do what they want me to do. And I say this, in fact, I had a conversation with a young leader just a couple of days ago, last Wednesday, and, and said, that what we ask our employees to do as leaders, don't break any of God's laws or man's laws, right? We're, we're not asking our employees to go against their moral fiber, their moral definition. What, what we're asking you to do is take care of the customer, or in this case, it, it was a restaurant and to, to serve the cocktails and, and all that stuff. It's not, they're not moral imperatives. They're not, you're not, we're not drug dealers. We're not asking people to break the law. So in, in this, and we can argue about military law and stuff like that, but I knew they wouldn't ask me to do something that wasn't supposed to be done. And so I carried that into my civilian leadership thing. And I've been thinking about this as you all were, were talking and it's great stuff for the leader that's listening to this podcast. And what I would say is 
the barrier I had to push through and, and GF, you alluded to it right at the beginning is more of a mental one than it is a physical one. I wanted to be the leader because I knew the view was better at the top. I don't know who said that to begin with it. Convince you to climb to the top of the mountain because the view is better up there. The first time I got up there, I was up there by myself. Yeah, I pushed through, but nobody necessarily was following me. I didn't help anybody get better. I didn't teach them to to lead other people. I didn't help them grow. I didn't help them lean into their potential, all that stuff. Yes, I was the top of the mountain, so to speak. I was the CEO, but I was there by myself. And so the challenge I had to push through was to understand, yes, the view from the top is better. And it's really better, if that's the way to say that. It's much better when there's a whole bunch of people with you that that came with you, that you all went together to see the view at the top of the mountain. So the yes, challenge sir. I had to push through was to understand that leadership wasn't about me. Leadership mm. is about the people that we are responsible to lead. And we've all volunteered for those jobs. Nobody's held a, hold a, held a gun to our head yes. and forced us to do it. And so the making the connection and this topic can get really deep, but I'm just going to tell you, leadership is about other people. As soon as you are responsible for one other person, if you're a business owner and you hire your first employee, you're no longer in the business that you thought you had. You are now in the people business. And that's what leadership's all about. And that challenge early on in my career, and I'm not going to blame it on the military for giving me this thought, but Early on in my career, I thought leadership was about me. And I'm here to tell you it's not. It's about the people you lead. Yep. Wow. Wow. I, I think you probably nailed it right on the head there with leadership is not about me. It's about the people you lead. And if a leader is listening to this and finding that your team is not as productive, not as engaged, not as with it as other teams, you got to figure out, wait, what's the common factor in all of that? If it's you as the leader then what can you do to change things? Because if it's all about yourself, that selfish leadership, that's not going to work. Obviously, self-care is important. We're not talking about self-care. We're talking about how do you lead and get through those mental barriers. That right. first mental barrier, yeah, it's got to be about your team. Yeah, that, that's a segue. And that's why I said this is a really broad and deep subject because caring for other people, and, and this is part of my story too, caring for other people while I was doing that and getting better at it, and in, in a lot of instances, I I believe I, I, I was really good at it and still I am really good at it. But along the way, I forgot to take care of myself. That's another episode, another story. But yeah. you have to, as the leader, you have to focus. There's lots of things you have to focus on. And one of them is the people that you lead. If you can help create and sustain the environments where these people can grow and expand and learn trust and learn empathy and learn how to educate themselves and all, the, the, the list goes on and on, but it's all about the people. And maybe some future episode we can talk all about the people includes you, leader. And that that part I didn't quite get right early on either. I, I was by myself, so I thought, okay, it's all about the people. So I did everything for the people and forgot about myself. So th there's a balance in there somewhere and, and you can find it. But yeah, if you're a leader, take care of your people. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And you are a part of your people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, yes. That's a whole other episode. And I think that's one that you uh, have a vast amount of experience in. And I can't wait to hear your thoughts on that. But 
as we're getting down towards the end here, I'm taking away engagement, getting your team together, rowing in the same direction, taking care of your people, dealing with conflict, and really thinking about how our people are a part of this solution. How are the people a part of the solution? And, and if we can focus on what's the problem, we can get to the solution versus the people are the problem. Yep. So if you are one of our listeners out there, whether you're exercising or you're on a long car ride and you're listening to this, we really do appreciate your feedback. I don't have the phone number popped up, but we do have a phone number. You can actually send us a text. You can find us on the socials. You can email us old school. I know that's ask us at no more leadership bs.co. Find us on the socials. We're on all of those, but we really do appreciate your feedback and we appreciate you listening to us. So if you have any questions, comments, or you want to have us broach a topic, please reach out to us and send us to us so we can continue to provide valuable information and or hopefully some stuff that can really help you out in your career and help out your team to be successful as they possibly can. So from me, Jeff Geoff McLaughlin with Professionals of Play and the incredible cast and crew, we thank you so very much for listening and we hope to see you again real soon on the next episode. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you Bye. later. Bye. 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 Later, Buck.